Hello, hello. Welcome to the Beehive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality, and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body, and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. Hey guys, happy Tuesday morning. I am excited to have a new episode for you. So I feel like I have a lot to catch you all up on, but I guess the most significant thing is that I am in school now full time. So that's been really consuming me. I know I've been a little bit actually a lot a bit quiet on Instagram, on social media, even here on the podcast, but I am working hard in school. For those who don't know, I'm getting a master's in social work so that I can become a therapist and so I will be in school for two years and then I will be um, working for two years after that and then eventually I can have my own practice and work one-on-one with all of you guys so i am very excited i'm working hard towards that goal but i am still making it a priority of mine to release an episode once a month so that's the new goal that's what the new routine is going to be one episode a month and these episodes are actually going to be very well thought out, very special, very informative. I think that sometimes quality over quantity really does go a long way. And so that's what I'm going to be doing with the Beehive is just one episode a month for the foreseeable future. And this way I can still keep the momentum going and still share and spread all of this amazing information with you guys and connect with more practitioners and patients and resources and just continue to keep this community going and growing um, without so much pressure on myself to have to produce an episode a week because that literally is a full-time job. So I think one episode a month is good. But as always, you guys can let me know what you think. If you really want me to do more, if you aren't enjoying one episode a month, like, I don't know, just let me know your thoughts. I want to hear from all of you. I want to know what you all are thinking. And if you have any recommendations for people that you would want me to have on the VHive, please share that with me. You can email me at hannah h-a-n-n-a-h at the vhive.com and just send me your thoughts your feelings your recommendations really anything that's where you can contact me so i am excited to share today's episode with you all today's episode is with dr jessica shepherd dr shepherd is a board certified OBGYN and founder and ceo of sanctum med and wellness a wellness concierge practice based in dallas texas here she works with a team of therapists yoga instructors ayurvedic wellness coaches nutritionists exercise specialists and other health professionals dedicated to women's health dr shepherd's passion for women's health from minority health disparities to reproductive justice issues has led her to speaking engagements at events ranging from Well Summit to the 2020 Women's March in New York City. So this episode is 
primarily focus on the conversation of herpes, which is so important and somehow something that I have never really discussed on the Beehive before. So I'm glad that I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Shepard as herpes and herpes awareness is really one of her main focuses as a practitioner. She shares so much insight and information about this topic and it really is such an important conversation to have. It's very common and there's so much shame and stigma and taboo attached to it and the goal of the beehive is really to break all of that down and to just have the information and have the knowledge that you need and the tools to deal with things because when there is shame and stigma and all of these kind of negative forces attached to diagnoses or health conditions or diseases or whatever it is it creates such a problem it creates such barriers to healing to health to wellness to growth to conversations and learning and so that's really what my goal has always been and so again herpes is a condition that has so much stigma attached to it so this conversation is so important in order to you know, just take one step in order to break that stigma down. I'm sure many of you know someone who has herpes, either has herpes, it's very common, and Dr. Shepard tells us everything we need to know. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode, and I hope you all enjoy it. Well, first, thank you so much for being here today. I am very excited to speak with you, and we have a lot of important things to cover. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. This is a very important topic and I'm excited to just, you know, have an open conversation about it. I know, me too. It's so important and it's honestly something that I've been thinking like a lot about. Just I've had a bunch of friends like date people recently who have herpes or like I feel like it just come up a lot, the conversation. And when I was put in contact with you, I was I couldn't believe that this wasn't a topic I had ever addressed out of a hundred plus episodes all focused on women's sexual health like I I couldn't even believe it it's almost embarrassing so yeah but I think it's you know there are many topics that I feel when it comes to women's health are very shameful or embarrassing so many people don't want to delve into that conversation but then the other side of that is that the conversations are so needed so needed yeah and i and embarrassing just in the sense that like it's such an important topic so i can't even believe that i haven't i hadn't even gone out of my way to like bring this conversation to light here on the podcast but as you said, there's a lot of shame and stigma and taboo around the conversation of herpes. And really, one of my main missions is to break down all of those kind of stigmas and really bring education to the forefront. So thank you for just being here to talk about this. I know this is a big specialty and focus of yours. So before we kind of get into the depth of this conversation, tell us more a little bit about your background, your story, and really how you got started in this space. Yeah, you know, um, going back to, I guess you could say, where it all started. Um, So it was in residency and shortly thereafter that I realized my focus on gynecology and women's health was really where I wanted to show my skill set and expertise and being able to take care of women all throughout their adolescence into their older age outside of pregnancy was what I found very fascinating. And as I developed, 
you know, in my practice thereafter, I really started to focus on a lot of sexual health and menopausal health because I felt that there was a deficit there as far as not only, you know, being able to diagnose, obviously, but kind of having the conversation that surrounds the diagnosis and how we can educate women um, and allow them to feel empowered and know that they're not alone with whatever diagnosis they have. So, you know, with herpes being a sexual health topic, that's really, you know, something that a lot of my patients would get diagnosis. But I really wanted to focus on the education and the emotional health behind that. The emotional health component is a huge one. Herpes is not a topic for whatever reason that just hasn't been part of the hive yet. So will you kind of start from the very basic foundation of what is herpes? How common is it? Is it as common as other STDs such as gonorrhea and chlamydia? Kind of just start from like the baseline foundation so that everyone has an understanding of what what it is. Now, herpes is how we typically hear about it, you know, in the, in the community, but it's known as herpes simplex virus, HSV, and it really is a very common sexually transmitted infection. Mm-hmm. It is, again, transmitted through sexual contact. That's how viruses spread, through some type of direct contact, so usually body to body. Um, and when that virus is transmitted, it then lives in the body and where, you know, was transferred to. And that's when we start to think of the symptoms. And that's usually how patients will present is with some type of symptom. Now, you were saying, you know, just how common it is. Most people who have been exposed to HSV sometime in their life don't necessarily know that they have been. So that's, you know, that's the other part of it is that, you know, we've stigmatized herpes to something that is looked at as really bad but if you were to test most people Mm. they probably would have had some exposure to it sometime in their life and that's why we know that it's very common when we think of new cases every year in the u.s that's almost 800,000 that's crazy 800,000 new cases so this is not you know who already has it these are people who are being diagnosed annually as a new case of HSV. And the common part about it is when we bring it down to, you know, one in how many women have it, one in six women in the U.S. are currently living with HSV. And that really brings it to the forefront, like Mm -hmm. you said. It is more common than we think. There are more people that are actually exposed to it. So that's why it needs to be part of a conversation because sexual health should be just as important conversation as our physical health and our mental health. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I think that it really, it takes like the work of, you know, doctors like yourself and therapists and podcasts and all of these different outlets to kind of like tackle this from all different angles so that women and men can really understand what this is and not feel so much shame attached to these conversations because as you said they're so this is so common and I know that there's not really like a real cure for herpes but you're very involved in this company called Femiclear and do you want to talk about the kind of prevention methods or treatment methods or what's being done now to help people who have herpes? Yeah I think taking it even back a step further as you had asked earlier mm-hmm. you know looking at some of the other STIs and how common herpes is you know gonorrhea and chlamydia obviously you know that's spoken about um, I I feel you know as a, a gynecologist not as 
uh, shameful when we think of diagnoses, gonorrhea and chlamydia. You know, people do have some discomfort when they hear maybe a diagnosis, but it somehow has like detached itself, those two, or even trichomonas and gonorrhea and chlamydia from herpes. It's almost as if it becomes this like scarlet letter when someone gets a diagnosis of herpes or when people discuss it. But commonality, when we think of gonorrhea, you're going to actually see the same rates as far as transmission when we think of herpes. Now, chlamydia is the most common STD that is out there. You know, they have about 3 million new cases a year. And we had recently said that HSV is about 800,000 a year, but that's still in the same range as what we said was gonorrhea. So it is right up there when we think of common STDs and the exposure that people have to that. And that's why, again, it needs to be a conversation because we have somehow stigmatized HSV. But when we look at incidents and new cases, it really is right up there with gonorrhea. So the, the key point really is with any STI or STD information and education is that we always want to promote healthy conversation between partners um, and allowing them to be open and making sure that when they do in, have a new relationship, that it should be part of the discussion of has there possibly been any exposure in the past um, taking STD testing together. I you know, encourage a lot of my patients, hey, you know, it's nice to be able to have that discussion with your partner who might be new to you, that you are very invested in sexual health and making sure that that's a communication portion of the relationship and being able to show them that you've been tested and this is what you may have been exposed to in the past or this is what you are currently dealing with and those should be very open conversations in order to decrease the amount of transmission that we have because when we have decrease in communication that's when we start to see more cases increase mm -hmm. and so it's an important part of conversations for individuals couples um even in marriages i think that this is something that should not be frowned upon it should be a very open part of the conversation yeah. Now, you you mentioned also, you know, treatment. That, you know, goes down a, a long list of ways that it can be treated. And it's just to point, herpes is, cannot be cured. So there is no cure for any virus. You can say that for chickenpox. You could say that for HIV. You could say that for HPV. Viruses cannot be cured. But what we can do is we can help symptoms. So the symptoms that you might have from any virus that's where we really come in as healthcare providers is to decrease the actual symptom. So I want to talk more about this because every component of this is so important. So I just want to make sure we get to everything. But I guess one of the questions that just came up for me when you were talking about the communication, and I'm sure when you talk about like the treatments and stuff, that very closely correlates. But let's just say, for example, um, a man and a woman start dating and, and the man tells the woman, okay, I have herpes. And say the woman is hesitant to then sleep with that person. Is that more of a fear-based response or is that a reasonable response? Like what should the kind of precautions be? Should, is, it, is it an issue? Is it not an issue? Like how do you kind of figure out how to navigate that? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. That is a great question. I really do think that one, I would give a prize to someone in a relationship who is willing to communicate that that information very openly because that's where we need to start is being open with the communication. Now, when someone hears that from a partner that you know they may have been with or maybe it's a new partner, 
that's where a lot of the fear comes in um, of what to do next. What do you do next when someone actually lets you know that they do have a diagnosis of herpes? This is where I love starting this conversation is because it shouldn't be something that people run away from. First and foremost, I feel that I've heard many people who, you know, exactly what you just said, started to date someone and someone, you know, reveals to them that they have that diagnosis, they run. Mm -hmm. And I really would like this, you know, podcast and this platform to allow people to understand it is not a reason to run. So with that being said, the next questions that should come from that is, okay, are you currently taking treatment for it? Do you have outbreaks currently? And what does that look like for that person as far as what is their disease progress or how has it impacted them? Because that's where we really need to decide as a partner or a couple is what should that other person do? Right. And that's where a medical professional and healthcare provider really can come into the picture and help guide that conversation because there's so many different ways of, again, managing treatment and also having the conversations on what that other person should do. So for example, let's use that uh, instance that you gave. Now, the next question for someone would be like, oh, okay, well, thank you for sharing that with me. I appreciate your vulnerability and your candidness. Right. I, you know, they could say, you know, I really like spending time with you and I would like to see where this relationship goes. What uh, are you currently on treatment for your herpes? Um, because there's different ways of managing it. And then also, are you aware of when you have outbreaks? And I think that might be one of the most important questions is because when someone is having an active outbreak, that's their highest possibility of transmitting HSV to another person. So we had said earlier, you know, in this episode that most people who have it don't even realize it. And that's because viruses like to stay dormant, like we say. I I like to say they take long naps in our body, and that's when they're not transmitting the actual infectiousness of the virus. Mm -hmm. And so during those times, the transmission actually is very low. So there are a lot of couples that are together long-term marriages when someone's been exposed in the past. But if they're not having an outbreak, the likelihood of transmitting it is very low. And there are lots of couples who, for example, are monogamous and don't have to use protection if someone's not having an outbreak. If someone is having an active outbreak, that's when they should refrain from having intercourse or direct contact in order to decrease the transmission of the virus. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're not having an outbreak and they're, whether they're on medication or not, then the likelihood of transmitting it is very low. But the best part of all of this is when people are aware of their diagnosis, they have good body awareness, meaning knowing when they're having an outbreak. And if they're currently managing themselves with treatment or even alternative therapies such as Femiclear, and they know that they are doing that in a, in a way that's responsible, then that's all that I think should be an active part of the conversation because they know when their transmission is high versus when their transmission is relatively low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's really, that was a really helpful explanation. So thank you. And then I'm also curious to know your opinion and your thoughts on, and I'm sure there's many different things, but what are like the main factors that cause outbreaks? Is it stress? Is it like what, you know, what what are some of those triggers? Yeah, this is where the conversation um, really 
helps people understand their body and how viruses work. Viruses, um, because when they take that long nap, like I said earlier, when they're dormant in the body, that's when their transmission is going to be low. Now, the body has a really good way of keeping viruses sleeping with our immune system. Our immune system is very responsible for keeping these things at bay. So anything that compromises the immune system is really when the immune system is not going to be able to keep the virus sleeping. So those instances would be when someone is going through a very stressful time. That could be stress at work. That could be going through maybe family crisis, relationship crisis, um, or any life, you know, life event that's causing a lot of stress. When people are sick, typically I see a lot of people who come in and are having an outbreak and when they're having a cold or they have the flu, and that's because their immune system is really suppressed because it's trying to take care of the current illness and therefore it can't kind of keep the HSV virus at bay and then it can basically wake up and cause a symptom such Mm -hmm. as an outbreak Mm -hmm. and then also for immunocompromised people who might have like a a long-term disease that really suppresses their immune system you'll find that they actually might have more outbreak breaks than other might have because their immune system is always being utilized because of their immunocompromised state. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I would say pregnancy is a definite time frame where we really want to make sure that a mother has the most decreased possibility of transmission, especially during labor. Now, I would say that during pregnancy is not what we consider an immunocompromised state, but what does happen is that the immune system is going to take care of the baby first and foremost Mm -hmm. so that sometimes can decrease the immune system of what mom might be exposed to or or having an outbreak and some women do have uh outbreaks during pregnancy that they at a a rate that they didn't see outside of pregnancy and that's why we keep a, a close eye on them and we really want people to disclose that they have herpes at the beginning of their pregnancy so we can make sure they're managed properly during the pregnancy Mm -hmm. that's really interesting i didn't even think of that is that dangerous to the baby like what what does that look like yeah the the danger really comes in if we don't know that um, a mother has herpes and she has an outbreak and it's during labor Mm. that really is you know and and most times you know women who are having an outbreak whether they know it or not uh during a labor process um we might be able to visualize the outbreak with the the ulcers in the vaginal and the vulvar region um now for a mother who knows she has herpes typically what we do is we always put them on suppression treatment usually when they are get to 37 or 36 weeks of pregnancy just to kind of fortify their immune system and really decrease the likelihood of having an outbreak and most women who have herpes actually have vaginal deliveries with no issue the real the real trouble comes with we don't know that they have it or they get a new diagnosis during pregnancy Mm. now that's really when we you know if someone is having an outbreak an active outbreak during the latter portion of their pregnancy or at delivery we actually will convert to a c-section so i have seen that you know a few times in my career where someone has an active outbreak during labor and we have to convert their their delivery method to a cesarean section wow that's fascinating so i also want to talk about femiclear and have you explain more about this product and how it works for herpes 
that is um, a lovely part of this conversation <laughs> because I really do um, believe in so many options for women. I mean, what we have currently to treat or to manage rather herpes outbreaks is a medication. Um, and for the most part, if someone's on long-term suppression with medication, uh, some women don't necessarily like to, or, or men don't like to be on, you know, consistent medications for herpes and managing the outbreaks. And they want another option that wouldn't necessarily be a medication. And there's really nothing out there that can help combat the symptoms of a herpes outbreak. And that's why FemiClear with the product that they have is amazing because it is something that is over the counter. It's not a medication. It's natural and organic as far as the ingredients and the makeup of it. And, you know, the other thing I love about FemiClear is that it's a female led business. And this is important because women usually will have more of the symptomatic outbreak than you'll see in males. And so being able to take that information, focus on bringing better access and a natural form of a healthcare solution to women across the United States is amazing because the products really are geared towards decreasing the pain or discomfort that someone might have during an outbreak. And that is, again, going to be something that is proven by science as far as the research that went into developing FemiClear and allowing women to have easy access to this. You know, for sometimes a medication has to be called in, you know, if there's an outbreak during the weekend, will someone be able to uh, get to that voicemail to get you the prescription? Mm -hmm. So if someone's able to have access to a major retailer like CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, or Rite Aid, then they're going to be able to get something that's going to help with their symptom, decrease that that discomfort and get them moving back to where they want to be. You know, it really is about our quality of life and the daily activities that we do and how those are impacted when we have an outbreak. So anything that can be done to get someone back to feeling better, I'm all for it. And so what is it? Is it like a, a cream or a... Yeah, so it is actually like an ointment. It's I like an ointment. to use the yeah. word ointment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ointment. And basically this is going to be something that is... Um, put on the area, uh, the genital area where they're feeling this discomfort. And I really want to emphasize that body awareness is so important when it comes to knowing about out outbreaks and how to manage outbreaks even better. Because people have different symptoms. Some people report tingling. Some people report kind of a pressure in their, their genital area, maybe even back towards the rectum. Some people start to have pain with urination when they're having an outbreak. So the better you are to have the information of what your body goes through before you have an outbreak, then the earlier that you can treat those symptoms, the better off you'll be, therefore decreasing the duration of an outbreak, the severity of the outbreak, and the pain. So that's why body awareness is so important. And with the use of FemiClear, you know, if you have it, if it's over the counter and you have it at home, then you're going to be able to address the symptoms of an outbreak earlier and quicker. And therefore, you're going to ease the symptoms and decrease the severity of the outbreak. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that it took like until now for a product like this to be created. It's, it's it such an important and necessary product. Yeah, it's so necessary. I think that, again, you know, 
you'll find that um, symptoms or not symptoms, con- conditions or diseases that might have a stigma attached to it. Sometimes it takes yeah. a little bit longer for that to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has to do with societal uh, claims, stigmas that are attached. And we really need to do better as a society of things that impact women's health. I think that women's health sometimes is put on the back burner. Yeah. And we really need to put it up on the front burner, put it right there in the open and allow women to have some of their symptoms and disease state conditions addressed, just as important as, as it is for any other uh, disease. Completely, 100%. I could not agree more. And another important kind of component that I want to talk about that just came to mind, and, and you did bring this up previously, but is really the mental health aspect. I'm curious to hear, you know, what in what you've seen just treating so many patients who have herpes like how have you seen it affect their mental health and what you know from your lens can be done to help people who are struggling with their mental health because of the fact that they have herpes so mental health is what i've realized over the course of my you know career over the last 15 years is that it had so much more impact than I ever thought from a, even from a physical health standpoint. You know, when people come in and they either get a new diagnosis or they've been struggling with a diagnosis that they've had for a while, the impact that it has on their mental wellness is so significant. And what it creates sometimes is this continuation or a cycle rather of the mental health, you know, aspect of it being impacted and therefore the disease, the physical state of the disease, not being able to be addressed because someone is having struggling with the mental health aspect of that or the emotional aspect of that. So take that and put that into a diagnosis of herpes. Most people that I have to tell that yes, your blood work um, or your swab that we did on the sore that you had when you came in came back with a positive diagnosis with herpes, that really is devastating for most women that I would say and trying to allow them to see you know the statistics that we shared early on in this segment of just how common it is or you know it is able to be managed or this is not going to impact your ability to have children those are the common questions that I get with a new diagnosis it actually starts to take on more of the actual process than the disease itself yeah and so i focused a lot of my diagnosis discussions with patients of the mental health aspect of and the emotional because once people are really able to kind of tune into the mental health aspect of it and really how to manage their emotions then it actually makes the diagnosis so much easier because they're able to do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's so important and i think it's just so helpful for people to hear because whenever you get a diagnosis it has a huge impact on as you said your mental and emotional health and addressing that i find and i really really deeply believe is just so crucial for any kind of illness or health issue whatever it is you know a huge focus of of this podcast is really on like the mental health aspect of all of this so yeah i just i couldn't let this conversation go without bringing that up yeah i think it's very (laughs) important and we need to make sure every every disease is going to have a mental component to it as far as how that patient takes it on what do they think about the disease themselves their lives after and you know as healthcare providers we really need to 
take more emphasis and focus on that aspect of diagnosis and also managing diseases. So mm-hmm. I really have put a, a big focus on that in my practice now and, you know, have people in my practice who are able to deal with the emotional aspect with counselors. And that has been a game changer because people really need that outlet. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Is there anything else that women or men should know about this STI? Um, Anything else you want to share? And then I also want you to share any resources that you want to recommend. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, these, this is the beginning of many conversations when it comes to uh, STI education, advocacy, also awareness, you know, for the women out there who for years have, you know, felt um, scared or ashamed because of a diagnosis of herpes, I really want them to know, first of all, they're not alone. They are not alone in this diagnosis. And they really there's a community of women out there who I hope that these conversations reach because there is so much power in the ability to be comfortable with your diagnosis, knowing the best ways to treat it, knowing alternatives like Femiclear and what's out there to help them with their symptoms. But I think we have so much work to do, especially in the healthcare uh, provider uh, space to have people feel safe when they have these diagnoses and allowing them the ability to share their emotional discomfort when it comes to these diagnoses, but also for us to provide the comfort that they need when it comes to this diagnosis and where they can get resources and knowing that they can always come to their doctor to talk about uh, any diagnosis and specifically for this one for herpes. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here and just for sharing all of this information, for educating everyone listening today. As I said, this is such an important topic, and I am so glad to finally have someone on the podcast to really shed light on all of this. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And where can everyone contact you? You know, your website, your Instagram, wherever wherever you are, Let let everyone listening know. Yeah, no, I would like to thank you so much for, again, allowing this platform to discuss something that one needs to be discussed all the time Mm -hmm. um, and allowing people to be able to hear this information, feel empowered. Um, I want to thank Femiclear as well for being a game changer in the space that many times is forgotten, uh, stigmatized. But for Femiclear, you can get information and also where to to get the products at www.femiclear.com. And then for me, as a gynecologist, um, people can find me on Instagram uh, at Jessica Shepherd MD, and that's Shepherd S H E P is and Paul H E R D M D. And then also for my practice, our practice really is focused on women's health, holistic health, and the emotional aspect of all of these stressors that we have in life daily. And that is going to be Sanctum Med Wellness. That's S A N C. T-U-M, med, M-E-D, wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, both on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you, thank you. And I also just want to quickly say before we go how incredible it is that at your practice you have so many types of specialists. Like you really Mm -hmm. focus on the mental health, the physical health, nutrition. You have Ayurvedic specialists. Like that is, when I read all of this, I was like, why don't more OBGYNs have this? Like, what? It's so important. Um, so that's really cool. 
Absolutely. No, thank you for that. I, I it's, it, you know, it's been a, a kind of like a transition for me because I just kept seeing it in so many patients that those things were missing and I wanted to be able to offer it to them all in one space. It's amazing. So thank you for all of your work. Thank you again for being here and I will talk to you soon. I will. Thank you so much.